0: morning we are in part number four of a five-part series called sick of it and I I just need to know am I alone have you ever been just sick of it maybe it was a person maybe it was a family maybe it was a parent maybe it was a brother or sister maybe it was your children I don't know maybe it was a neighbor a coworker, a boss have you ever just simply been sick of it well I, I have a feeling that you have. I don't think I'm alone in this. We get to the point in our lives sometimes where we just get sick of things, or we get sick of people, or we get sick of circumstances even. So I scoured the web this week to look for the best I am sick of it poses that I could find and we're going to show you a few here. Here's the first one. Just simply says, "I'm sick of it." I mean, this is bad, bad, bad talent. I am sick of it. And actually more often we're kind of sick of him. I know that's the reality. Let's go to the next. Who's next? Let's see what's next. Um, yeah, that's a good sick of a pose. He's lived a good long life and he says, I'm just kind of sick of what I see here. I'm sick of it. I think that probably was out of the movie Gran Torino. That's the perfect face right there. Next, let's see what we have next. Yeah, well, so I'm just kind of sick of it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I smell. I smell something really bad here, I think is what he's saying. I'm sick of it. Next, what's, what's up next? Yeah, that's a good one. Mr. Bean, if you can get past his nose, that you just get sick of it. And who is next? Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. To me, that face is saying I stepped in something in the yard that the dog left and I'm barefooted. <laughs> that's that's the face I think she has. And who's the next one there? Sick of it. Yeah, we I put that one in there because I'm sick of them. That's that's the reality. All right, yeah, yeah, I I don't I'm not alone in that. I didn't think so. Um, so are you sick of something in your life? And my next question would be, have you been at that point of being sick of it for some time? And so my next question is this, maybe, just maybe you might be in a rut, kind of a sick of it rut. I am just sick of it and maybe you're in a rut and you just can't seem to get out of that rut you just feel sick of it all the time well how do you know if you're in a rut well here's a few questions for you to help you kind of determine that this will be our rut finder test very quickly here's a question when you decide to go out to eat does it take you forever to pick a place to go you might you might be in a rut if you do. Do you arrange your evenings at home so that you don't miss your favorite TV show? <laughs> you might be in a rut in that case. Do you eat your evening meal in front of the TV? You might be in a rut, very possibly. Here's a good test. Do you open the refrigerator, teenagers? <laughs> do you open the refrigerator and you stare inside... You close the refrigerator without taking anything out and you come back in about three minutes and you do the same thing all over again. You might be in a rut. Do you daydream about things that you have never done and probably will never do? It's possible you may be in a rut in life. When you get home, I think this is maybe one of our best tests of all, when you get home Do you put on the same old comfy clothes (laughs) all the time? You might be in a rut. Do you spend a high percentage of your time at home watching TV or playing video games or on social media? You might be in a rut. Do you have a lesser standard of conduct for yourself when you are alone than when you are with others? You might be in a rut. When you get up in the morning, do you already dread the day ahead of you? You might be headed towards a rut. And I think here's another good test right here. Do you live your life through the excitement and the information about people on TV or in the movies? You might be in a rut. You know, a rut, if you are in one will always lead you to being sick of it and and eventually being just sick of it all. Let me summarize where we've been with this series. Week number one, we talked about this. We said, let's just face it. If you are sick of it, if you are sick of that person, if you're sick of them, if you're sick of everyone, there's really only one common denominator in all of those statements, and that is you. You are actually in the middle of all of your problems. And, la- and the week number one, we said, let's face it, we're in there. We're a big part of it. Week number two, we ask you to get a connection. And the connection is this. It's a connection between what you choose and the results that happen because of that choice. We said in that week that what you choose is actually a path ...that is headed somewhere. It's not just a choice where you look around and see what's around you at that moment. The choices you make are leading you down a very specific path. And that path has a very specific destination. So every choice you make is leading you down that path further to a very specific place. And the choice and the result, the consequence, whether good or bad they are linked together they are connected so if you choose a behavior you choose an action at the same time that means you are choosing the consequence you're choosing the result to choose a, to choose a behavior is to choose a result. That's what we said week number two. Now week number three, which was last week, we said that we have a a tendency to keep repeating behaviors over and over and over again. And we said because of that, that means because we repeat a behavior, it means we like the result. On some level, we like the result. Now we may not like the long-term result, the long term result of that behavior may be uh, we lose relationships or we lose a job or we have bad health, we have health problems. Uh, we don't like the long term result, but there's something happening uh, immediately when we make a choice or a certain behavior even if it's a negative behavior that we know is leading towards some kind of destruction, relationship destruction, or personal life destruction, we choose that anyway, over and over again, because we like some kind of immediate result. Some kind of cheap, quick payoff. And last week we said this, if you can identify those those quick payoffs, if you can identify those and control those, then you can take a large step, a giant step towards controlling your life. And now that brings us to this week. This week, we have said it for the past three weeks, and we'll say it again today, that we are creating At this very moment, we are creating our tomorrow today. In fact, you created your today yesterday. Now, here's one way to look at that. The flash responses that you receive from somebody else, from the other people in your life, the the way they quickly respond to you, those flash responses are sparked, they are sparked by your behavior. Those flash responses, that other, the way other people quickly respond to you, you light those fires with the sparks of your behavior and your choices. In other words... My behavior, the way I present myself, has a whole lot to do with the way you respond to me. You see, it is from our behavior that people around us know whether or not to cheer us on or whether to boo us. It's from our behavior that they know whether to reward me or whether they should punish me. You see, in your life, if you take action without any healthy purpose, it's just a random action, or if you make a decision to act on something and there's really no good direction for you to go that way or head that way, If your behavior that you choose has no uh, life-building intent, then you will get the results that make you sick of it. And a lot of those results will be the way the people around you respond to you. Now, on the other hand, if we have behavior that does have life-building purpose, if we have behavior that has good, healthy direction, if we have behavior that has good, positive intent, then you will get better results in your life. You see, that is how we actually choose our own life experience. We choose our behavior... And we are choosing the consequence, whether it's good or bad. That's how we control, how we feel about life. It's through the choices that we make. We choose the behavior, we are choosing the result. We choose the behavior, we're choosing the consequence, whether it's good or bad. The better the choice, the better the result. The better our behavior, the better the result. Now, here is today's big truth. Life, as God has designed it, rewards action. Let me say that again. Life, as God has designed it, rewards action. You see, if you don't act, if you don't do something to to begin a new action. If you don't act, then you get neither life nor results. You just simply get sick of it. <laughs> like our friend Jack. If you don't take action, you get sick of it. And we'd say, okay, 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 I, I know, right? Harley, you, you've said that enough, I, I get that. Well, great. Let, let's join Solomon, back in the Proverbs. Today we are in chapter number four for this week. So let's go to Proverbs chapter four. I'm going to start with verse 13. Solomon, the the wisest man to, to live at the point that he was writing these things. Listen to what he said. Hold on to instruction. Do not let go. Guard it, for it is your life. And you know, we have to admit probably that we know that this wisdom that God gives us This information, this knowledge, this wisdom that God gives us. These instructions in His Word that God gives us for life and for living. We know that they are life, but for some reason, for some reason we let them go anyway. We just let them go. Maybe we think to ourselves, I'll pick it up later when I get a little bit older. I don't have to worry about living wisely right now. I'll worry about that later when I get a little bit older. We just kind of let them go. We usually don't intend to let go of God's wisdom. We do. We just simply let it go. We don't intend to mess up in life. We don't intend to just sit down and do nothing about life. We don't intend to do the wrong thing. We don't intend to just sit on the couch and do nothing. But for some reason, it just happens. We do. We even tell people who are close to us, we say things like this, I, I, I'm so sorry, I, I I didn't intend for that to happen. That's not the way I wanted it to turn out. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I didn't intend that. You know what the reality is about that statement? Intentions, they really don't mean anything at all. I, I mean, yeah, we intend for something to happen, but we end up doing the opposite or we intend for something for us to do something but we end up doing something else we intend for something to happen but then perhaps we just end up doing absolutely nothing intentions they they really don't mean anything solomon goes on in verse 14 He says, don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't proceed in the path of the evil ones. You know, no one really cares what you intended to do. No one cares that you intended not to choose that path of the wicked. Not to choose that path of the evil. No, no one really cares that that's what you intended. They only care about what you did. What you actually chose. Now Solomon, I believe, would tell us, if we could kind of put it into today's language, when it comes to you just kind of plopping down on the couch of life and doing nothing, just sitting there, When it comes to you choosing the unwise path, I think here's what Solomon is saying in verse 15. He says, avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it. Pass it by. Don't give it a second look, a second thought. Just keep going. Choose the wise path of God and keep going. But we have a tendency to choose the wrong path, don't we? And then we complain. But I, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I intended something different. I didn't mean for it to turn out that way. Or I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to say it. I did not intend that. Do you know what the reality is for that? The person in the car that you rear-ended, they really don't care that you intended to stop sooner. <laughs> the boss really doesn't care that you intended to be on time. Your wife does not care that you didn't mean to cheat on her. What matters, what determines the path that you choose in your life is what you do, not what you intended to do. Maybe we need to start measuring our lives Based upon something else. Maybe we should measure our lives. Based upon results. Instead of. Intentions. Now Solomon next. In this next part of the verse. Solomon basically tells us. Three commands. He tells us to be. And then he tells us to do. And he says the result of that. Will be you will have. Be do and have let's see how it rolls out here verse 20 he said my son pay attention to my words listen closely to my sayings now he's talking about the wisdom of god and he's telling us to be devoted to wise living solomon says be devoted to to wise living. If you're devoted to wise living, that that leads to the next thing, verse 21. He says, "Don't lose sight of them." In other words, the sight of God's path, the sight of God's instruction, the sight of God's wise path of living. He says, "Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart." So next, I think we could say this. Solomon is saying, "We need to be devoted to God's wise path of living, and then he says, here, we need to do the next wise thing. Whatever the next wise thing is on that path, do that. Be devoted to God's wise path of living, and then do the next wise thing. And we have to do that moment by moment. That's not a decision we make at the beginning of the day, and it kind of lasts for us all day long. It's not a decision you can make before you go to bed and say, "Hey, tomorrow at school or tomorrow at work, I, I want to do better." This is a moment-by-moment moment thing. Making—how often do you make decisions during the day, moment by moment? Which means, how often do you have to do the next wise thing, moment by moment? So we need to be devoted to wise living. Wise living. Do the next wise thing. Then verse 22, for. They are these instructions that you follow, this way of wise living that you follow. They are life to those who find them and health for one's whole body. So if you do this, if you will be devoted to God's wise path and then do the next wise thing on that path, then you will have. Be, do, and have. You will have the results you want. And Solomon here says, you know what those results are? You will have life inside of your life. Inside of your soul. A a, a living state, Solomon says, of feeling whole. And all of this requires that you actually do something. You know, if you were to continue to show up week after week after week at Sugar Harvest Church. Over the course of several months, you would know more things. You would know more things. We, we do our best to teach you as we go, and you would know some more things month after month after month. But if you don't do something, then your life will be no more effective And you will remain sick of it. You can have better intentions week after week after week. You can have better intentions this week than you had last week. But if you don't do something this week that is different, that is the next wise thing on that path, if you don't do something, then you are still going to be in that same frustrated place. Proverbs chapter 4 talks clearly about two paths. That's where Solomon is heading next. He talks about a path for what we can just simply call life winners. And he talks about a second path that we can simply call a path for life losers. I hate to use that word, winners and losers. I don't look out here and, and... And wants you to feel in any way like I'm calling you a loser. If there's any loser in this room, it would clearly be me. But he says there's a big difference between this path for life winners or winning in life. And this path where we find that we're losing in life. A big difference? The winners do What the life losers are unwilling to turn off the TV and do. And I just want to draw your attention to something I just did. I turned off the TV like this. (laughs) Instead of like this. (laughs) Because I grew up in the 80s. I was the remote control in the 80s. (laughs) I was the channel changer in the 80s. Those who are excited about life, they are willing to do what those who are disappointed with life are unwilling to set down their smartphones, to get off of Facebook, to get off of Snapchat, to get off of Twitter, to get off of Instagram, and go do. You see, those who are Choosing to win. They are not just talking about doing something. They don't just think about it. They don't talk about it. They don't just sit there and continue to make plans about it. They don't have more meetings about it. They don't make a post on social media about it. They actually take purposeful action, devoted action, and they do something. Now later in Proverbs... I'm going to jump a few chapters here. Later in Proverbs, uh, wisdom tells us this very statement. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. There is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. That is our big truth for today. Nothing in your life will begin to change until you... This is what wisdom tells us here. This is what God tells us. Nothing in your life will begin to change until you begin to do something different. Now, this week we want to encourage you by giving you kind of a catalyst... Something that could begin a process to speed up some change in your life. Something that you could do right now to begin this week to give you some quick success. To help you move forward with some momentum in in having your life change. Something that could stimulate you to do the next right thing. So here's what I'm asking you to do this week. I'm asking you in your life, in your relationships, don't leave good things unsaid any longer. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do as a result of what we have learned. That life, according to the way God has designed it, rewards action. You doing something. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do this week. Make a list of the three most important people in your life. Make a list of the three most important people in your life, and I want you to write down every good thing that would go unsaid if you died right now. The three most important people in your life. Write down every good thing. I don't want you to write down the mean things, the bad things, the things they have done wrong that you just want to tell them off. No, 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 no. Write down the good things that would go unsaid if you died right now and this week i want you to go to that person and say those things to them all of them do that do that and we're not doing that just randomly we're doing that as a catalyst because that could be something you do that is a wise thing that could help you get into some new behavior, new patterns of doing the next wise thing. I don't care how you tell them. You could write it down. You could give it to them in a letter and say, hey, I have a hard time verbalizing this, but I want you to read this and write it all down and hand it to them. I don't care how you do it. Three people, all of the good things that would go unsaid if you died right now, Write it down or tell it to them. I don't care how you transmit the information, but give them that information. Now the next step I'm going to ask you to do this week is a doozy. It's a big one. That's the first thing. Do that. Why would we do such a thing? Because life as God has designed it rewards action. Do the next wise thing. The next right thing. Now here's the next thing I'm going to ask you to do. I've got a little graphic here. I hope, I hope it translates, and I hope it's big enough where we can see it. I want you, on a piece of paper, to write down four or five things across the top of that paper. And if, if I have it in the script right, McKinley's going to have it pulled up here, and I may not have it in there correctly. But it's going to talk about life with myself. That's the first thing at the top of the column. So across the top of the page... Put down life with myself. The second thing, put down life with family. So, life with myself, life with family, and next to that, write down life with others, and next to that, life at work, and next to that, life with God. So, you're going to have those four or five things across the top of your paper, and we're going to turn it into columns. Life with myself. Life with my family, life with others, life at work, life with God. And if if you are not writing that down right now, you may have a hard time remembering it. It will be uh, on Facebook Live later. You can go back and and get that. Down the left side of the column, I I want you to go down below that because we're going to do columns across. I want you to write down a number one, two, three, and four. So across the top you have your titles. Down the side on the left you have number one, number two, number three, and number four. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down four things in each of those columns from the top. Four things that you know, that you're aware of right now, that you need to do. Four things For each of those columns, four things about your life with yourself, four things you need to do, four things that you need to do in your life with your family, four things you need to do in your life with other people, and then four things in your life at work and students you could say at school, and four things with your life with God that you need to do. And here's the reality, you cannot Absolutely, you cannot do all of those things this week. No way. In fact, you probably will not be able to do all of those things this year. I just simply want you to write them down. Write them down. Four things you know you need to do in each of those areas of your life. Write them down. My hope is this. After you do the catalyst step, which is to go... Tell those three people everything that would be left unsaid that's good. If you were to die today, go tell those people that. After you do that, my desire is that you pick one single thing off of that whole list. You have four here, four here, four here, four here, four here. But pick one single thing off that entire list that you will then do this week. Do the next wise thing now because we neglect so much in life we either do the wrong thing or we just do nothing we may be you may be in some pain in some of those areas of your life you may be in some pain in your relationship with yourself or in your relationship with your family or your relationship with others or at work Or your relationship with God. You may be in some pain from neglect. But pain is not all bad. Pain is not all bad. It can be a powerful motivator. A motivator for you to actually do something. This morning, are you hurting in your life somewhere? Are you hurting? Then I tell you to do something. Are you sick of it in life somewhere? Then I would say, do something. Are you stuck in this life somehow? Then I would say, do something. And as you take a step of action, God gives you stepping wisdom. One of the most potent passages of all time is the next part of this in in, uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23, the Psalmist, I mean the Proverbs writer, he writes this, guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. He says, protect your heart. We need to do an entire series on that one phrase. Then he says this, don't let your mouth speak dishonestly and don't let your lips talk uh, uh, deviously. In other words, He's saying, watch what you say to other people and watch what you are saying to yourself in your mind. And he goes on. He says, let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. He says, don't lose focus. Don't get sidetracked. Do the next wise thing. And he says that. He says, carefully consider the path for your feet and all of your ways will be established he's saying determine the next wise step and take that step he goes on he says don't turn to the right or to the left keep doing he's saying keep doing the very next wise thing and as you do he says this keep your feet away from evil do the next wise thing and i just simply say about this passage wow What a powerful passage. You know, last week we said that fear actually will stop us from doing something. Fear will keep us from doing the next wise thing. If someone does not act in life, very possibly it's because of fear. If they're not moving forward in life, it's very possibly because they're afraid. If they're not interacting with other people around them, it's because they have fear. If they're not choosing to do things differently, it's very possible because it is fear. And if you give in to fear... You're going to be sick of it the rest of your life. Now, I want to introduce you to somebody that is very dear to me, and this is Karen. Uh, Karen is a believer. I'm talking on my phone if you're wondering what's happening. Karen's going to be with us on the phone right here. But Karen is a believer. Uh, Karen is a wife, and she's a mother in northwest Arkansas, and she frequently keeps up with Stuttgart Harvest Church through SoundCloud as she is running all over Northwest Arkansas, and on her bicycle. I don't know. I don't think she keeps up with us when she's in the swimming pool. But the other things for the triathlon, she keeps up with us. So I just simply want to say good morning, Karen. Um, Good morning. I know that fear can dominate a life, and it can control it, and fear can also keep us stuck. And so I just want you to share some of your story with us. Yes.
1: So... For all of my early adult life, I experienced some pretty extreme fear which caused some major anxiety. And when I experienced this fear and anxiety, I started to change the way that I lived my life. which allowed fear and anxiety to control me.
0: Because I, I remember when you were in high school, you were all over the place.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I had no fear in high
0: school. Yeah. And something changed, and that fear and anxiety actually, you went inside, literally inside your house, and you had trouble coming out, didn't you?
1: Yes, that's right. So I would not... I would not go more than 20 miles away from my house. Um, So a lot of the bigger cities around here, I couldn't go visit um, my grandma or my great grandma. Um, My fear didn't allow me to even go to the grocery store um, to get groceries. I I really couldn't go on vacation with my family, even to a town that was an hour away Um, I really just kind of went to work, which I was very used to, and stayed at home. And anything beyond that, restaurants, grocery stores, anything where people were there and my fear might creep in, I would not do. Yeah. So at some point, after several years of living this way, I, I got sick of it. And... Um, I decided to seek help through counseling, um, which was very helpful. It helped me to start to step out of my comfort zone and confront some of my fears. Um, it was hard yeah. work, but it was very helpful. Um, I also still was experiencing, you know, anxiety and fear. Um, and so I decided to with the help of my doctor to start some anxiety medications yeah um and found one that worked for me and so with the help of um therapy and medication um i was able to start to live my life in the way that you're supposed to
0: so that around people that gave you some some new freedom
1: yes yes, and and and
0: and helped you move forward a little bit
1: yes so once i was able to actually go out into the community and be around people without completely shutting down um i started attending church and i got involved with a small group in a bible study um and through that i started really feeding through god's word um you know, seeing the things that he had to say about fear and anxiety. And I started to be able to um, do that on a daily basis and pray and really, you know, accept Jesus into my life at that time. And through that process, um, I was able to, stop taking my anxiety medications and you know when I get anxious or fearful now the what I'm able to do is apply God's word to my life meditate on that and um, seek him in prayer and I know that there may be a time in my life in the future. Um, that I may need to use medication again in order to help me to be able to move forward. And, and that's okay.
0: It's okay. But for right now, you, you were even able to leave some of that behind. With, uh, yes. And, you know, I, I, I just remember looking at one of your comments um, because this, this is a, a form of, of help, um, mm-hmm. that helps with your your anxiety. Uh, um, you even began a whole new fitness journey, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, a- about the same time that um, I had been able to go back into the community and, and visit with others, I also started running. And, um, you know, that they say, and I feel like I'm proof of that, is, one of the best, uh, you know, natural drugs to fight fear and anxiety and just stress in life. And so that's another tool that I have in my tool belt right now that if I feel anxious, because I still start feeling anxious at times, you know, uh-huh. I will do those things. I'll pray, I'll get in the Word, I will go for a run or a bike ride, Or go to the gym and do a workout. All of those things have been a huge help in transforming my life and my ability to function.
0: Um, You you know, what I really hear, uh, I think, as as a takeaway for our church family here in Stuttgart, is that you finally got so sick of it that you did something. And for you, it began with counseling, which led also to some helpful medication that helped you get further away from the house and into some new environments. And from there, you were able to get into church, um, a small group. You were able to come face-to-face with Jesus And to commit your life over to his care and his control. You got into the word. You began praying. That's what a relationship with Jesus is all about. It's not about knowing who he is. It's about being in a relationship with him. And so you were in his word listening to him. You were praying and talking to him. And he began to change you from the inside out. Yes. Wow. Well, Karen, I am so grateful that you shared with us. Uh, If there is, let me give you the opportunity, if there's one thing that you would just like to tell our church family over here before we get off this phone call, just one thing, what would that be?
1: That would be to step out, step out of your fear, and make a decision to fight against it because you can do it.
0: Awesome. Good deal. Well, Karen, thank you. You know it's normal for us to be afraid, it's normal for us to be anxious. It is normal for us to to have fear when we are stepping into the unknown. Everyone who has ever busted out of their rut has experienced some level of fear and anxiety. The the truth is, though, if they busted out of that rut, they just did not let the fear and anxiety stop them. I want to read this phrase again, this passage again. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk dishonestly deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider your path of your feet and all of your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or the left. Keep your feet away from evil. When that voice inside your head tells you to give up because there will be setbacks, well, it is a fact. I will take steps backwards yes I will struggle and yes it will be difficult but know this Paul said that is why we never ever give up when that voice in your head tells you to quit because there will be people around you who will reject you if you go a new path well then great I'm in good company Because Jesus was rejected too. And Jesus said this, If the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. When the voice in your head tells you, You will fail. That's right. I will fail. But I will fail because I am doing something. And when I fail, I will fail with momentum because I will be falling forward in the right direction. James said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And then he says, So let it grow. When that voice in your head tells you it isn't worth it, Well, the truth is, yes, it is worth it. It is worth the struggle. Paul said, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. When that voice screams inside of your thoughts that you aren't worth it just remind that voice what God said. God showed His great love for me by sending Christ to die for me even while I was still sinning. You know what that means to me? That to God I am worth it. I am worth it to Jesus. Keep Doing the next wise thing, my friends. And don't stop. Don't give up. Let's pray. Father, your wisdom told us today that life rewards action. You said that there is profit in all hard work. But just talking about something leads to poverty. Many of us have slowly walked down the path. That has led us to the point of being sick of it. And we are ready for something new. We are ready to do something. And God we need your wisdom. Give us the courage to get things moving in a new direction God. By by saying uh, the things that we need to say to other people. Give us the courage to make that list. And to tell them those good things. And Jesus... Give us the courage to look at our lives and just begin a list of important things that we know we need to begin and give us the wisdom to know which one item is the best place to start for this week. May we not get trapped in a cycle of just thinking about doing something new. May we not get stuck just talking about plans. Jesus, help us to actually do something this week and then the next day and the day after that, Help us to measure our lives, not by intentions, but by results. We are dependent upon you, Jesus, for life. We are dependent upon you, Jesus, for living. We are dependent upon you, Jesus, for all. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.